0: is a paid program on 630 wlap this is the tom dupree show on news radio 630 wlap and wlap.com
1: welcome to the camp i guess you all know why we To play pinball. and put in your earplugs, put on your eye shades, you know where to put the
2: caulk. We got gonna take gotta take. It. We're gonna take, it. We're gonna
3: take it. Welcome back to We're gonna the gonna Tom Depree, 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 Depree Show, our number two. And we have a Darsh mushroom with us today. Good morning. Good morning, Tom. Uh, You just had a nice thing happen. Your wife, uh, tell us about the process of getting the green card.
2: Yes, so, uh, well, I got married uh, last year. I'd been dating my wife for about two and a half years. And uh, she has been in the U.S. for 11 years, uh, and she works for a startup engineering firm. And uh, she uh, came here as a student, got a PhD in electrical engineering, and she'd been on a work visa. And uh, after we got married, uh, she could apply for a green card since I'm a U.S. citizen. So we went down to uh, Louisville on Thursday and had an interview with the INS. It used to be called the INS, now it's called the USCIS. Um, And uh, after the interview, they decided to grant her a green card. That's great. Yes. <laughs> so well, d- this is how legal immigration works. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, and even legal immigration is extremely difficult. So, um, you know, my wife, she came here. She's in a science field. She's got a Ph.D. Uh, but despite that, uh, her life was hard. On a work visa, she could, could not move uh, to a different job. Uh, every time she left the country, she had to get go to a U.S. embassy and get her passport stamped. So it, it had been pretty tough. And uh, uh, after 11 years, you know, she's got a green card now. And, uh, you know, I, I think it's well-deserved. She makes a positive, you know, contribution to uh the So a green
3: card, you can have uh,
2: unlimited travel. Um, you, you can travel just like a citizen. Uh, you, you can, yes. You still don't have a U.S. passport, but you can leave the country and come back. A green card is still revocable, so if you commit a major crime, then uh, it can be revoked. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, if you leave the country for more than six months uh, at a stretch, they can revoke your green card. Right. Uh, and of course, you you cannot vote or you know get any of the other privileges that citizens get, but a green card can be uh, a, a pathway to citizenship. So after three years, she will be eligible to apply uh, to become a citizen.
3: Right. That's fantastic. Well, I'm happy to hear that. Thank you. It's great news. One of the things that uh, we do at Dupree Financial Group is we we try to guide people into proper investments for their retirement. This is something that we talk about quite often, and uh, it's a thing that you know, we discuss among ourselves what type of things are we supposed to invest in and uh, where is the money best invested. Now, sometimes it might be better invested in things that are not as popular or in style as other things. One of the one of the markets that's been definitely out of style for a while has been oil or energy. Um, There's an article in the Wall Street Journal talks about pick your own stock market boom, big oil versus big tech, two booming stock sectors present two very different opportunities for investors. There are two great times to make money in stock markets, the post crash rebound and the end of cycle excess. Oil and technology fit the pattern perfectly in the past two years. Since the oil price low of January 2016, the global oil and tech sectors have both made more than 80 percent, including dividends, beating the wider market's 53 percent return hands down. The oil sector was merely rebounding as oil prices tripled from their lows, but tech stocks were being led to heady heights by giddy enthusiasm. For a bright future, more extreme proxies for the commodity and tech cycles have done even better. But what is the difference between these two? Well, with oil, you have actual earnings, you know, and and to some degree, you have perhaps still uh, bargain prices on some of these stocks, considering what the underlying earnings potential is. Uh, With tech, in many cases, um, well, certainly with something like Amazon, you have a a stock price that is many, many, many times what the earnings are. So what's the difference in these two types of investing?
2: So the big difference, uh, you know, when you compare the returns over the last year, as they say, 80%, Uh, The returns are similar, but what drives those returns is quite different. So with tech stocks, the returns are driven not by underlying earnings, because a lot of these companies don't even have earnings, but uh, by what investors think is the future potential. So a lot of it is based on sentiment and momentum. And momentum is a powerful force in the stock market once a stock or a market as a whole starts moving in a certain direction, the the path of least resistance is you know to keep moving in that direction. We've seen that right. many times until there comes a point when, you know, they like people uh, realize that uh, you know this is just crazy and uh, they start selling and then it reverses. Uh, so the big difference is with a sector like oil and gas where there was a big recession, oil prices dropped from over 100 to 23 at the bottom. Um, That sector is a sector that's in recovery, where sentiment is still not very positive. Uh, Management is extremely conservative. Uh, They are not pouring cash into projects just because they have the cash. Investors will not allow them to pour cash into just any project. You're talking about oil now. Yes, oil. So, uh, and, and even the
3: name oil is something that you don't want to have in your name. Yes. Uh, we've seen recently the major oil company of, of, uh, Norway used to be called StatOil, oil has now changed its name to Equinor. Yes. Which is, doesn't really mean anything. Uh, it's, it's just a
2: fancy way of saying we're not an oil company. Right. And, uh, most major oil companies uh, are shifting, uh, so they, they don't think of themselves as just oil and or oil and gas companies anymore. They're starting to think of themselves as energy companies, where the the source or the means of uh, you know uh, the production of energy could change. You know, energy could come from the sun or the wind or fossil fuels. But these companies are positioning themselves to be, uh, you know, companies that that uh, provide energy. Uh, so we, we are starting to see that. But the point here is that uh, with the oil and gas industry, the price is is uh, a function of earnings, real earnings, whereas with uh, a lot of uh, tech stocks, uh, it's purely momentum. So that's really the difference between what you would call value investing, when when you're trying to find companies that are actually generating cash flow and their stock price is driven by cash flow versus companies where there's really no uh, tangible earnings but there is potential, future potential, uh, which could work out or it may not. So one is more uh, certain, one is not so much so.
3: Well, if you look at a company like Amazon, uh, it trades for something like 200 times its earnings and a huge multiple of cash flow. What is the real price at which Amazon should trade? I mean, when you think about what their possibilities are, you know, they've taken over a lot of retail, but retail has always been a very narrow margin business. Right. And some people have said that Amazon really doesn't make a whole lot of money on its retail operations, that it makes most of its money uh, in its Amazon web services, uh, the the cloud
2: computing, and some of those things that that where there's huge margins. Right. So um, well, Amazon Web Services is the fastest growing division of Amazon, but as a percentage of total revenue, it's still about 10, fifteen percent. Uh, The traditional retail uh, platform, uh, Amazon.com, still brings in most of the revenue, but as you said, margins are much lower there. Uh, I think there's sometimes, you know, a a misunderstanding uh, of what Amazon is, because it's not a traditional retailer in the sense of a Walmart. Amazon is really a platform that allows other retailers to sell right. their goods and services. So Amazon is, in a lot of cases, not making these products. Although here in the last few years, Amazon has started its own private label brands, uh, certain products where they saw that margins were pretty high and they could, you know, get into those uh, products. They've started doing that. So that's still not a high margin business, uh, but that's another uh, avenue for uh, growth for them. Uh, but apart from that, uh, Amazon's cloud services uh, is is uh, what's driving uh, growth and uh, it's what's uh, giving it this high valuation. Um, and it's into artificial intelligence. Uh, Netflix runs an Amazon Web Services. Netflix by itself is a, you know, almost a $200 billion company now, runs on Amazon Web Services. Uh, So the thing about Amazon is no one really knows how to value it because it does not fit into any of the traditional uh, business models. No one knows what Amazon will get into. They just announced a partnership with Berkshire and uh, J.P. Morgan to get into healthcare uh, or figure out a way to provide healthcare services. so that's another difficult business. It is, yes. Uh, but what Amazon has, which a lot of companies don't have, is is data. They've got so much data, and you know that data can be used to, uh, uh, you know, get into these other businesses which no one is even thinking about today. Uh, right. So th- it's it's a tough business to value, and really, it almost has a cult-like following now, where. There are no earnings that would justify these valuations, but people have faith in the company and in Jeff Bezos uh, to, at some point in the future, uh, make these earnings come true.
3: Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show with Adarsh Mushroom. It's News Radio 630 WLAP.
1: A date which will
3: live in infamy in Vietnam.
0: Military operations to disarm Iraq. This Memorial Day. We remember they gave their lives. We all remember so that others might live. News Radio 630, WLAP.
3: Hi, this is Tom Dupree, Jr. Are you a retirement saver and investor? Do you know how much income you're going to need in retirement to live? Do you know how much income your retirement savings are going to produce for you during retirement? And how to avoid liquidating those funds? If you don't know the answer to these questions, you aren't alone. However, if you would like to know, give us a call at Dupree Financial Group at 859 233 for a free analysis of your retirement savings. We believe every retirement investor should know how much his or her investments should be expected to produce during retirement. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859 233 zero four hundred, Dupree and the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings at eight o'clock at News Radio six thirty WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859-233-0400 eight five nine two three zero four hundred.
0: Six thirty WLAP
3: Back on the Tom Dupree show. All right. This is an interesting article. U.S. investors act as if the markets owe them something. God bless America, the land of the most spoiled investors on the planet. I was in Buenos Aires earlier this month at the same time the Argentine peso was starting its free fall. But that's not unusual for Argentina where the peso has depreciated some 95% against the U.S. dollar in just 17 years. It's even worse the farther back you go. Citizens of Argentina spend a lot of time trying to obtain dollars, whether through official means or otherwise. I'm not talking about dollars in a bank account. People there haven't trusted their banks since the government defaulted in 2001. What they don't exchange into dollars, they spend within an hour of getting paid because inflation is out of control, rising 25% in April alone. That would seem to be a horrible way to live, but the Argentines have done it for decades. They are used to it. Meanwhile, Americans are not content with a stable currency and low inflation. They think stocks are supposed to magically produce gains of eight to 10% a year, and all it takes to get rich is to blissfully go along for the ride. Um, So what this article is saying, it, it talks about the difficulty of investing in other markets other than the U.S.?
2: Right. So, you know, in the U.S. there's there's a debate about how people should invest, whether they should buy passive index funds or active mutual funds or individual stocks. And, you know, the debate is not whether the market will generate a return, but it's how to maximize the return and the best way to do that uh, because, the underlying assumption is that the markets will do well over time. Um, right. So when you compare that to what's happened in some other countries, they give the example of Argentina. It's not always easy, you know. Uh, a lot of people don't realize how lucky that they they are that you know the U.S. is the market that they're investing in, uh, and the U.S. stock market has had such a stable history of generating positive returns over. Extremely long periods of time, um, so it's important to, uh, I guess, be thankful that investors live here in the U.S. Invest in a market which, uh, you know, constantly regenerates and new companies keep coming up and, uh, you know, keep making profits. Uh, and things are not so easy elsewhere in the world. Right. Um- What about, like, India? So the Indian market's actually done quite well over the last uh, (laughs) two and a half decades. So that's an exception. Uh, It is, but if you go back prior to that, you know, so uh, India followed a socialist model from 1947 to 1991, which was modeled on the Soviet Republic. Uh, And then in 1991, uh, there was a crisis which really coincided with the fall of the Soviet Union, uh, when the company uh, the country moved away from the Soviet model and became more of a U.S. style free market, it's still nowhere close to uh, U.S. style market. You know, socialism still uh, has its remnants. But um, since then, since nineteen ninety one, the the economy started growing from three and a half percent prior to that to you know seven, eight, nine, ten percent so uh the stock market's done well it allowed you know entrepreneurs and um, other people to start creating businesses and start you know operating without the fear of the government interfering um, so it, and there are a lot of other countries in the world whose markets have done well obviously you know there's other countries in asia singapore um uh, Japan, even the Chinese stock market has done well after China moved away from their version of, uh, you know, state planning. To uh, at least when it comes to the economy, there's there's more of a free market. Their their politics is still, you know, right. uh, communism. Um, and then the Southeast Asian tigers who've done well. Of course, European countries, a lot of them have uh, long histories. Um,
3: right, but it. This
2: other article here says, America's
3: profit boom leaves Europe, Inc. playing catch-up. Strong Euro, U.S. tax cuts, and growth of American fir- tech firms are reasons for the earnings gap. So there are no tech giants in Europe, uh, really, like what you have in the U.S. You don't have companies like uh, Apple and Google, uh, Amazon, companies like that in Europe. That's one of the reason it hurts them. Because even in the U.S., if you take away some of these tech firms, the market hasn't grown very much.
2: Yes, that that's true. Uh, for whatever reason, uh, you know, the, the U.S., the environment that exists in the U.S. Uh, fosters innovation, risk-taking, which even lacks in Europe. The one exception, perhaps, is Sweden, where there a lot of tech companies have come up, right. uh, and uh, I don't know what the history behind that is, but uh, you know, Spotify just went public, that's a Swedish company. Um, Ericsson. 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 Uh, a lot of other smaller tech companies that have been acquired by U.S. companies, but uh, in the U.S., especially uh, Silicon Valley, that's been a hotbed of uh, innovation and the, uh, some of the biggest uh, drivers of the stock market have been tech companies. Uh, that you know have done extremely well um, but the u s is definitely exceptional when it comes to creating these companies you know like Google or uber uh, that uh, really uh, drive innovation that that change the game uh Of course, there was the internet in the previous uh two dec- two decades ago, which uh also resulted in a lot of innovation, a lot of growth that also started uh in the u s and now we are seeing uh, I guess the post-internet, uh, uh, you know, technology world, which is driven by artificial intelligence and, uh, uh, you know, big data, analytics. Right. Um, so the U.S. is uh, the number one player. Right. Stay with us. You're listening to the Tom Dupree Show
3: with Adarsh Mashroo. It's News Radio 630. W.L.A.P.
0: Subarus are preferred by people of all ages with active lifestyles. May is Outback Month at Quantrell Subaru. Own a new 2018 Outback 2.5i CVT, model JDB01, starting at only $25,895. And during May, 48-month financing is available as low as 0% with approved credit and no money down. Payments are $20.83 per $1,000 financed. May is Outback Month at Quantrell Subaru. When it comes to hiring, you don't have time to waste. You need to get to a short list of qualified candidates fast. That's why you need Indeed.com. Post a job in minutes. Set up screener questions based on your job requirements. Then zero in on qualified candidates using our intuitive online dashboard. Your time is precious. Let Indeed help you get to your short list of qualified candidates. Post a job today at Indeed.com hire. Search for greatness. Search Indeed.
2: Looking for fast, easy, and
0: secure electronic banking? Community Trust has a wide variety of banking services to meet your needs, including internet banking, bill pay, and mobile banking. We now have even more great services like Apple Pay. Make payments directly from your smartphone. And People Pay, a fast, easy, secure way to send and receive money from your smartphone. Visit us on the internet to learn more at ctbi.com. That's ctbi.com. Community Trust Bank, building communities built on trust. Member FDIC, equal housing lender. Scattering of thunderstorms throughout the region for your Saturday. Outside of the boomers, it is steamy, but under the storms, some very heavy rains are a possibility. Not an all day rain, though. High today, topping out mainly 80 to 85. Similar setup for the day on Sunday, your Memorial Day Monday isolated thunderstorms and a full-blown steam bath in effect. with temperatures mainly into the mid and maybe some upper 80s out there. Tropical Storm Alberto in the Gulf of Mexico may bring rain into Kentucky by Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm WKYT Chief Meteorologist Chris Bailey on your official weather station, News Radio 630 WLAP. Broadcasting live 24 7 from the heart of Big Blue Nation. This is News Radio 630 WLAP, an iHeartRadio station.
3: Hi, this is Tom Dupree Jr. Are you a retirement saver and investor? Do you know how much income you're going to need in retirement to live? Do you know how much income your retirement savings are going to produce for you during retirement and how to avoid liquidating those funds? If you don't know the answer to these questions, you aren't alone. However, if you would like to know, give us a call at Dupree Financial Group at 859 233 for a free analysis of your retirement savings. We believe every retirement investor should know how much his or her investments should be expected to produce during retirement. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859 233 dupreefinancial.com and the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859 233 400.
1: Magic Vapor Shop just got in another seven new flavors of e-liquids this past month, folks. Adding to the six we already added the month before that. We're carrying bigger, better bottles that will save you more money than you can vape a stick at and cutting all of our juice prices throughout the whole store permanently. With the newest batteries in stock plus coils for most every unit out there and replacement glass that nobody carries, why go anywhere else? We are your one-stop vapor shop folks and having more fun than anyone should be allowed to have all under seven roofs. The newest addition to our family is in Lexington at 3094 Richmond Road, right next to Pizza Hut. Nicholasville is in Brandon Crossing down from the Hobby Lobby and the Georgetown store is behind the Sonic next to the old dead Kroger. Then we have the Winchester the location across the road from walmart or you can go over the website anytime and you save more money than you could vape a stick at www.magicpapershop.com i'm amy eric founder and ceo of madison reed a company that's revolutionizing the way women color their hair a company i named after my daughter madison reed is the ultimate hair color hack The quality of a salon, the convenience and affordability of at-home hair color, and an ammonia-free formula with ingredients you could feel good about. Find your perfect shade at madison-reed.com and get 10% off plus free shipping on your first purchase. Use code TRUST.
0: 630 WLAP.
3: I've got to have a change of seat every night. Back on the Tom Dupree to show. So there's an article in way, Fortune called What the Hell Happened at GE? And, you know, all you have to do is look at the share price of General Electric, GE, $14.50, roughly. Based on where it has been in the past, the stock has dropped through the floor. And this article in Fortune goes into a, a pretty um, pretty uh, uh, detailed account of what has happened. A GE has collapsed in a meltdown that has destroyed well over $100 billion of shareholder wealth. Retirees and employees who bought heavily into the stock are furious. Some picketed GE's annual meeting in April. Uh, It's crazy. Uh, This is GE, a corporate aristocrat, an original Dow component, the world's most celebrated management academy now revealed as a financial quagmire. Its bonds rated AAA when Jeff Immelt became chief are now rated five tiers lower at A2 and traded prices more consistent with a BAA rating, one notch above junk. So you look at this article, and uh, it talks about, and it really gets down to management, and Jeffrey Immelt as the manager of this company for so many years, and companies that he bought into at high prices, uh, it, it's it's kind of shocking, really.
2: It really is. And again, it goes to show you that, you know, when you're dealing with the stock market, uh, or stocks, you know, the, the, nothing is guaranteed you know uh, and that's why it's very important to
3: yeah exactly
2: you know understand what you're buying and also to have some sort of diversification and not you know put all your money so imagine being an employee at ge and you know over the years just putting your money into ge stock or you know being part of a GE pension which is also invested in ge stock and at this at a later stage in your life, realizing that, you know, it's not worth as much as you thought it would be worth. Uh, So same thing with Endron, you know, uh, and not saying that GE is an Enron, but uh, it goes to show that, you know, there was a certain complacency uh, factor here where GE, the management, people who worked at GE, investors, everyone just assumed that it's GE, so, you know, we don't really have to think about it. Um, Also goes to to show that, uh, you know, the market is really not that efficient, you know, if you believe in efficient market hypothesis, you know, what changed? Uh, Over the course of a few months, the stock went down by 50%. It's not like, you know, this was new information. What really changed was uh, perception. All of a sudden, people started getting worried and, That's that, so it it was sentiment driven. Um, That's true. And And that's
3: what pushes a a lot of stock market prices. Right. Perception.
2: That's what's got Amazon where it is. Exactly, yes. So, uh, you know, um, the two things that really happened, which the article goes into, the first thing was capital allocation you know, Jeff Immelt, when you examine the history of all the different acquisitions GE made, a lot of acquisitions were made when that industry, the industry uh, in which the company was operating, the company that was acquired, was a fad industry and uh, they ended up paying uh, premium valuations only to sell some of these uh, businesses later at, uh, at losses. So there's a long history of poor capital allocation. It says here in 2009 uh,
3: he, he, he bought a company called Envision for $900 million, but in 09 he sold a large majority interest in the two firms packaged by GE Homeland Security in a deal valued at just $760 million. His security bet was a bust. And he, he did this, Jeff Immelt did this over and over again.
2: Yes, even with Oil and gas. When oil prices were at their peak, uh, you know, in 2014, they made a lot of oil and gas investments. In fact, they were about to buy Baker Hughes at a very high price, and right at that time, you know, oil prices collapsed. So, uh, uh, you know, they did not. They still paid quite a premium for Baker Hughes, but that that deal was done when oil prices were at their peak. Right. Uh, uh, same with uh, a lot of the financial investments uh, one thing which was revealing to me also you know there is this impression out there that it was uh, jack welch who was the previous ceo who got ge into all these finance businesses which is true but earnings uh, as a percentage of total uh, their total earnings uh, the percentage that came from finance and GE Capital was actually lower under Jack Welch than it was under Je- uh, Jeff Immelt, so he grew GE Capital uh, even more uh, and made it an even bigger uh, contributor of GE's earnings. Only to suffer uh, post the financial crisis when they started having to dismantle that business. Um, so a lot of, in hindsight, a lot of poor uh, decisions were made, um, and uh, you know. I guess all of a sudden that came to the the fore, and now everyone's worried about it. But at some point, you have to start wondering, you know, if it's overdone. Um, I mean, GE is no Enron; there was no false accounting or anything going on. But um, they just
3: traded in and out of so many different businesses. Uh, ML was prided himself on buying and selling businesses. Well, you're never gonna come out that well. And it says here in this article that ML shopping skills were not stellar and it was part of a larger problem. Ask uh, Wall Street analysts, consumers, former executives to explain how GE ended up where it is. And their first words are the same, capital allocation. That's what we do. You know, we're, right. in, we're in that business. Right. We, we allocate capital. That's a crucial job for any CEO, nowhere more than at GE, with its ever-shifting portfolio of businesses. The near-universal consensus
2: outside the company is that ML was bad at capital allocation. Right, and uh, that also brings into question uh, if you know. Uh, question: It brings into question the model itself. You know, uh, should businesses, companies focus on certain business lines and not get involved with too many things like, uh, like GE or, you know, was this a unique case where the management was actually quite poor and, you know, they, they could have managed all these businesses together, but just failed to do so. Um, so it, it's just amazing, uh, you know, that, a storied company like GE, one of the best companies, yeah. the only company that is that was in the original Dow Jones Index and is still in the Dow Jones Index, uh, having you know reached... Are they the expected spot. to return to profitability in 2018? They, they are, so they are still uh, projecting uh, almost a dollar in adju- adjusted earnings per share. So they are not losing money they're making money they lost money in 2017 they did yes uh a lot of it was because they had to take all sorts of write downs yeah um uh, so um they cut their dividend and uh the current dividend if they are able to uh reach that one dollar eps that they're projecting then the cur- current dividend is well covered but jeff Immelt was projecting two dollars in earnings in 2018 and they're nowhere close to that
3: right Yeah, so um, it's just a, a big miss, and uh, we have begun to buy GE at these prices because we think uh, that the businesses, the underlying businesses, are 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 going to be sufficient to
2: turn things around,
3: uh, but there's no guarantee
2: yeah uh it's important to uh you know remember that ge owns some of the best businesses out there so what you're investing in you're still buying ge's uh aircraft business jet engine business uh, ge healthcare uh their power business which has had a lot of problems but these are all either number one or number two businesses in their industries right. are still a great franchise so uh You know, at this point, uh, a lot of bad news has been priced in, um, and if they deliver something positive, then we could see, you know, uh, upside potentially in (coughs) stock. Right.
3: Okay. Let's go ahead and take a break here. This is the Tom Dupree Show. You're listening to Tom Dupree and Adarsh Mashroo. It's News Radio 630 WLAP.
1: What does Memorial Day mean to me? Um, I
3: don't know, it's just another
1: another holiday. It's sad
3: that some people still don't understand
0: Memorial Day. It's a time
1: to remember the unfortunate loss of lives.
0: News Radio 630 WLAP remembers.
3: Hi, this is Tom Dupree Jr. Are you a retirement saver and investor? Do you know how much income you're going to need in retirement to live? Do you know how much income your retirement savings are gonna produce for you during retirement? And how to avoid liquidating those funds? If you don't know the answer to these questions, you aren't alone. However, if you would like to know, give us a call at Dupree Financial Group at 859 233 for a free analysis of your retirement savings. We believe every retirement investor should know how much his or her investments should be expected to produce during retirement. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859 233 Deprefinancial.com and the Tom Dupree Show Saturday mornings at 8 o'clock at News Radio 630 WLAP. That's Dupree Financial Group at 859
0: 630 WLAP.
1: All gave some Some gave all
0: some stood through for the red, white, and blue, and some had to fall.
3: And if you ever think of me, think of all your liberties and recall. Amen, brother. Billy Ray Cyrus. Some gave all. Best thing he ever did. Yeah. By far. Millennial generations' faith in free enterprise can be restored. Uh, there's an interesting te- uh, video that was sent around uh, about millennials, how you should adopt a millennial because they need the money to run their lifestyle and they don't feel like they want to work. Um, this generation seems to slant towards socialism because they just don't understand really the, the it's lack of education more than anything. Uh, and and they all wanna be, work for some NGO or something like that, some kind of nonprofit organization. But this article seems to think that the, their
2: faith in free enterprise can be restored. Right, um, yeah. Um, you know, part of the reason, th- th- there are so many- Let them be poor for a while. <laughs> I mean, when you think about it, you know, this is a generation that experienced uh, something like the Great Depression. Um, It wasn't uh, similar where, you know, there weren't soup lines or, you know, shanty towns or whatever. But there was a major financial crisis uh, which coincided with a lot of millennials graduating college.
3: Right.
2: So, you know... In a sense, they were uh, unfortunate that this happened, uh, which was tough on a lot of people. And at the same time, they're also a generation uh, that uh, grew up with so much technology, uh, the internet, the first generation that really you know, was young when the internet was starting and they experienced it from a young age. Uh, and of course, smartphones and everything else after that. Uh, so it's a generation that's very well informed, from one point of view, uh, but also disillusioned because they they you know felt that certain things were coming to them, which did not happen the way they expected because of the fa- financial crisis. Uh, and the third factor is that, despite all that, th- this is generation that grew up in a very in a very prosperous. Society, The millennial phenomenon is really a U.S. and maybe a developed world phenomenon. People in the same age group in different countries, you know, are, have different aspirations. Uh, so it was a combination of technology, financial crisis, and growing up in a prosperous society where your basic needs were, were met. Even Millennials are in their, what, 20s now? No, they are in their thirties. This is pretty so I'm a millennial, so I think 1981 to 1996 to 97 is okay. a millennial. Um, so, you know, a lot of these uh, trends, you know, they, you know, are they the way they are or are they the the result of how the society was when they were growing up? You know, that's, uh, that's an interesting question. Um, but, uh, I mean, People make fun of them, like that video, you know. I, I don't know if they were purposely poking fun at them or. Uh, if yeah, those
3: tended a... to be younger millennials in there.
2: Yes. Um, but then they're also, in some ways, a product uh, of the time, um, you know. Yeah. Just like every generation is. Gen um, X, they're a little older, right? Uh, yes. So I, I think Christy is Gen X. I am Gen X. Yeah. Mike 40s, I... 41, yeah. Okay.
1: Well, Darcy, you don't you don't strike me as a millennial though. <laughs> Probably cuz I've gotten to know you over the last couple of years and I like you.
2: Uh thank you, Bo. <laughs> well, I, I you know, I uh I also grew up in a different country that may have had an impact on yeah. just my So when I was growing up, we, we you know, we were still we were maybe 30, 40 years behind in technology. All that changed uh when I was in high school and then I right. moved here, but uh I had a lot of experiences that you probably had growing up. So, uh, uh, you know, it, it is a U.S. and maybe a, a Western Europe phenomenon and Australia and all the r- other rich countries.
3: Right. Well, it, it seems to me that what really makes you um, interested in free enterprise is, is fear, fear of not having enough, fear of... Um, being broke or homeless or something like that. Um, if you have enough of that kind of fear, you will get to work and you will figure out what you can do uh, that will uh, help you increase your bottom line. Right. I, mean, I think that has always been a motivating factor for people. I know it has been for me. Right. Um, you have to be afraid of the consequences sometimes in a healthy way
2: right you know to uh to go out and do something about it right no that's that's absolutely true Uh wh- one of the positives though uh you know yes this the millennial generation may may not have the same work ethic that you know the previous generation or the post the baby boomer generation had but um they they are a more conscious Uh, generations socially conscious which means that they do demand that companies that they deal with or products that they buy have you know uh, a good uh, source you know that uh, so they are asking more of these businesses and businesses are responding you know businesses are spending a lot more uh, in initiatives that have nothing to do with their immediate business but you know they are sourcing Yes. The way they yes, sourcing uh and then even spending, you know, on initiatives and uh, doing more volunteer work and rewarding employees who do volunteer work. So, you know, there there is a positive side to it. Um and uh you know, uh now that we are out of this financial crisis and we are at a point where the economy is starting to do well again, uh you know, I think every generation, you know, at some point as they get older, their priorities change. So the priorities of current millennials will also change as they get older or start having kids, uh, and that might change their uh, way of looking at things. Back to oil, um, it says
3: here that OPEC and Russia set to boost oil output after Trump pressure. So last week, probably uh, maybe two weeks ago, Oil had gotten up to $80 a barrel for Brent, uh, around $72 for West Texas. And uh, it's interesting that uh, Donald Trump seems to have this power uh, to be able to call shots. You know, he, he, he sets up this um, meeting with North Korea that seemed to be more in North Korea's interests than in the U.S.'s interests, And then just immediately, after some harsh words from North Korea, decides to call off the meeting. And with uh, Russia and OPEC, his talk uh, of um, complaining about high oil prices, all of a sudden, next thing you know, they're increasing uh, oil supply and knocking the... So I think you will see, maybe even this weekend, you'll see...
2: um, uh, gasoline prices begin to, to go lower. Right. And, you know, I mean, Saudi Arabia and Russia, of course, uh, is Saudi Arabia is an ally of the U.S. and uh, Iran and the Saudis are not on good terms. So the fact that uh, the, the U.S., uh, you know, got out of the nuclear uh, agreement with uh, Iran uh, almost uh, – Not as a favor to the Saudis, but the Saudis were obliged to act and, you know, show that they were going to do something in return. And, you know, they are increasing production as a result to bring down oil prices. Uh, Of course, oil prices got to where they, they, they decreased supply
3: when oil was in the 50s. Now it's in the high 60s or for them in the 70s, because they sell into the Brent market, um, that's gonna be a price that they can live with.
2: Yes, so it is a price where, uh, you know, they're still profitable, Uh, they can still fund some of their social service programs. And, uh, you know, if at some point they want to go public with uh, Aramco, which is their uh, oil oil company, their uh, national oil company, uh, they can still do that, and uh, you know, get a decent, uh, raise a decent amount of money in the process. Uh, How much oil is still left in Saudi Arabia? Uh, just an immense
3: amount, evidently.
2: Yes, yeah, and no one really knows because it is a national oil company. But they've done different estimates, and you know, I don't know if it's a trillion barrels. I don't know, but there's a lot of oil still there. But even the Saudis. Uh, recognize the importance of having a more diversified source of revenue. They, they don't want to be a country that only depends on oil because when oil prices go down, that, that fuels social unrest, which they saw. But luckily they were wealthy, but we saw what happened in Venezuela and right. other uh, countries that relied on, on oil. Give us a call if you'd like to have us look at your retirement uh, uh,
3: investments. Um, that's what we do and we try to invest people in such a way as, uh, to take advantage of values that we find in the market. Adarshir is the head of our esteemed research department, which <laughs> has won all sorts of awards yes. for, uh, for its, uh, astuteness <laughs> in these things. So um, we appreciate you listening this weekend. Um, You've been listening to the Tom Dupree Show for these past two hours. And uh, we thank you for doing so. Once again, you can call us at 859-233-0400 if you'd like to talk about your portfolio. Have a great Memorial Day weekend. remember about those that gave all for our freedoms. It's the Tom Dupree Show. It's News Radio 630 WLEP.